people that have had hardship in life. Um, it's part of it because of their own fault. But in spite of that hardship, they still chose to, to be people of character. They still chose to, to be loyal, to be generous. Um, and, and God, what we're going to find today, what we found throughout the story, and we're going to really find out today, is God loves that kind of bold stuff. When you and I are faithful, even when, it, when it's difficult, if, if you and I are faithful um, in spite of people around us not being faithful, I, I feel like God, when he sees us do that kind of stuff, he just gets excited. I, I don't know if that's fair to say that the, the God of the universe gets excited by things that we do, but I, I, I really believe that when you and I step out in faith when you and I, and, and this, is, this is for everybody, this is for students, this is for, for kids, this is for adults, this is for all of us. When we, when we, when the world's going one way and we decide, no, I think to be faithful to God is go the other way, I think God's like, oh man, I think he starts rolling up his sleeves and he's like, I can use that. I can build off that. Because in a sense, what it is, is when we do those type of things, when we're faithful, we give God material to work with. And so that's the big idea for this the series, is the, the whole idea of is, is what can you and I do, like kind of encouraging us to be people of character, to be a church of people who, who give God a lot to work with in the face of, of uncertainty. Uh, we talked about the first week how, how Ruth made an oath to Naomi, Ruth, so Naomi, just a little bit of background, Naomi was, was from the nation of Israel. She and her husband and her kids, her sons, left the nation of Israel when times got tough, went to the, the nation of Moab. Her sons married Moabitess women, which was like kind of a no-no back then. And then all of a sudden, everybody's dead. All the men in the family died. And in the ancient world, any, any woman, uh, any widow in that situation would be destitute. Um, they would be facing a lot of challenges. I mean, even, even in this world today, we, we, like, like um, a woman on their own in, this, in parts of this world where even in this country uh, have a lot to, of, of, to work against or work for to make it happen. And it was all the more so in the ancient world. And, um, Naomi comes back to the nation of Israel her homeland, she comes back there to, to hopefully find, because the nation of Israel had a better structure for widows, um, and, and her um, um, daughters-in-law, Ruth, and another woman, uh, they start to follow her, and they decide, one of them decides, no, I'm going to go back home, but Ruth makes an oath. She takes an oath to Naomi, like, no, I'm going to stay with you. Um, and it's a beautiful oath. If, if you haven't read that, you need to read that. If you haven't read it in a while, you need to read it again, because it's so good. Um, and they get back, and, and the question is, will they be accepted? What will, when they come back to the nation of Israel, will they be accepted? Um, and they, and there's, uh, it's a crazy cool story. Um, last week's story is really cool, how Ruth gets to know Boaz. Man, there's a lot to explain. I don't want to explain it all. But Ruth gets to know Boaz, and, and um, in order for Naomi to be restored in the nation, um, she needs what's called a kinsman redeemer or a... Um, uh, guardian redeemer, and Boaz could be that, and it just so happens that Boaz and Ruth um, get united, and, and Boaz takes interest in Ruth, and Ruth does this really, uh, really forward, like, hey, um, will you redeem me, the whole situation, um, and Boaz says yes, and we talked about the romance of that story last week. It was really, last week was a fun week at church. We had lots of props and toys and, and um scenarios. It was, it was fun. You should listen to it. Um, but then all of a sudden, um, 
uh, yeah, so, so Boaz says, yes, I would like to be your guardian redeemer, but the reality is, is I'm actually not the first one in line. Um, he, he was a, a di more distant relative. There was a closer relative, and it was the closer relative's uh, responsibility to be the redeemer. So I got to sort that out, and that's where we pick up today. But here's the beautiful thing that happened last, last week is Ruth's story is a story of, of uh, it's, it's a tragic story to this point, right? She's lost her husband. Naomi's lost her husband and two sons. And then comes back to a nation that she's trying to figure out, will they accept me? And amidst that, everybody else around them saw probably, when they saw Naomi, when they saw Ruth, they saw poor widows. They saw Ruth as a foreigner. Honestly, somebody who would have looked at their situation and, and would have said, hey, maybe you even have baggage. Like Ruth, Ruth was someone who had baggage. She, she's not from that country and then Boaz, but Boaz, that's not how Boaz saw Ruth. Boaz saw Ruth, and he said, he, he saw someone who cared. He saw, he looked into her story. He looked beyond the mess of her story and looked into it and said, no, I, I, I saw what you did coming out of Moab, coming to, to and sticking with your mother-in-law. That's incredible, the compassion that you show. I see you as a hard worker, Ruth. I see someone who's taken refuge in the God of Israel, even though the God of Israel is a foreign God to you. We talked about this last week. Wouldn't it be nice? Like, we, we can go through a lot, right? Uh, we, we have, a lot of us have gone through a lot in life, and we can go through a lot if even just one or two people or a couple people can notice what we've gone through and that we've, we haven't given up and that we stayed strong. It doesn't need to be everybody, right? We don't need everybody. We don't need the whole world to look at us and say, wow, nice job. But wouldn't it be nice if there's just a couple of people who would say, they, they see me. I feel seen when I'm around them. That was Ruth's story last week with Boaz. Boaz saw her. Hey, I, I don't see, when I look at you, Ruth, I don't see a widow. I don't see a foreigner. I see a woman who's compassion, compassionate and strong. So that's where we pick up today. And, and, and really, here's the title for today. This, is, uh, this might be the title for the whole series, but it's called Woven. How a widow, a farmer, and a foreigner changed the world without even trying. Because what we're going to find out as we finish the story, that is kind of like the act three of this story today. What we're going to find out today is that not only do all of this, like it's a happy ending. They live happily ever after. All of the things kind of come together. Boaz, what he said, he, Boaz was going to do what he said he's going to do. It works out as he was hoping it would work out. Naomi doesn't, like Naomi isn't, her life isn't bitter and empty anymore at the end. It's full and beautiful. And so, like, and there's, there's a point in time, we'll get to it in the reading, where the story could have ended there, but there was even, it, it could end there, and it could be, they lived happily ever after. But God, everybody say God, <laughs> God has more, he, he wants to do more in their story than they'd ever dream or imagine. And here's what we find out today, that, that God's providence can work through unexpected events in ways that we're not even we, we can't even imagine. That's what we find out in Ruth's story. Ruth's story is really about how God's providence, God, pause for a second, God is actually, uh, here, put, don't uh, put that away for a second. Uh, God, God is, is a hard, God, God is like an extra 
in the movie credits of this story. It's fascinating because he's hardly a character. The, the narrator barely mentions him. The, the, the characters mention him from time to time. And yet, it, he gets the last word at the end of their story. He gets the best part of their story. And even though like, they're rejoicing at the end, he's like, you have no idea how much you should be rejoicing for. But I get ahead of myself. I'm getting too far ahead of this. But, but we do need to talk about this. We need to talk about God's providence. Here's what God's providence means, if you don't know what I mean by that. God's providence is the will of God by which he cares for and directs all things in the universe. So if, as a Christian, as if you're a Christian, we believe as Christians that God, there is a God, okay, start there, there's a God, and that God actually is, is involved in the universe, he's not just out there, you know, like, he, he did something over here, uh, you know, in our neck of the universe, or made this universe, and he's over somewhere else doing another universe and doesn't really care, but that God is actually involved, and that he has a will, a desire, just like you and I have wills and desires for our family, wills and desires for our lives, wills and desires for our children. God has a will and a desire for this universe. And not only that, it's a caring and loving will. You could also define this, that the, God's providence is the sovereignty of God, meaning his control or his governance of God, by which he cares for and directs all the things in the universe. That's a lot of things. That's a lot to take, you know, take account for, right? Um, and, and, and what we're going to find today is we're going to see God's providence is kind of like on display. It's the star of the show at the end of this story today. And, and here's my question for you, and then we'll dive into Act 3 of, 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 um, of the book of Ruth. Is it possible that God's providence is at work in our lives in the same way? Is it possible that, that, that just as, as God was working through the, um, the faithfulness and you know, the stuff that Boaz and, and Ruth and Naomi gave him, gave him to work with, for, that just as he was working through their faithfulness, he's also working through the failures of their stories. And is it possible that the same is true for us, that God can work through God's providence? Put that back up again. His, his, God's providence, his, his will by which he creates and directs all things in the universe is so good that it can actually work through your failures. Let's, let's go to Ruth. Um, there's a Bible within arm's reach of you right now, and you're going to need it because we're not going to put the words on the screen because I want you guys in, in the book. We're going to Ruth chapter 4. When you get there, when somebody gets there, go ahead and shout out the, the number for the uh, page number. 266 in the, in the church Bibles. And actually, before we get to 4, let's go to 318. Remember, um, Ruth and Boaz had kind of that romantic evening, and he's like, no, I will, I will take care of you uh, if it's in my power to do so. Ruth goes home and tells Naomi, she's like, so how did it go? You know, like, like honestly, like, like, Ruth came home a little later than it was expected, and she's like, oh, boy, what happened? You know, so how did it go? And Ruth tells her everything. This is, you know, like, he's, he's going to do it. He's going he's gonna to take, and this is the thing is, this isn't just, this isn't just, oh, sweet, Ruth finds love again. 
This is, oh sweet, Ruth, Ruth is able to find a redeemer for Naomi's story, for Naomi's family line, and we might not die of starvation. <laughs> this is a big deal. Then Naomi said, this is verse 18 of chapter 3, then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Like, he, he's, this is a motivated man who's in love. He's starry-eyed, and he's smitten. So let's find out what happens. Verse 1, chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gates. So this is the next day. And he sat there. While when the kinsman redeemer, or the, the guardian redeemer he had mentioned, just happened to come along. And we talked about this. Like, who knows if he knew that he was going to be there, or if, if the Lord just, like, through his providence, made that happen. But this man, the, who's the, the guardian redeemer, so this is the next of kin. This is the, the person who's um, closer in relation to Naomi, and it would be his responsibility. And again, this is hard to explain because there's a lot of cultural layers to it. Go back and, and listen to our, our sermon two weeks ago, and, and I, unpacked, I unpacked it really well. Uh, I explained exactly what was happening. But basically, there's, it, it, when, when a man died in the nation of Israel to an institute that nobody fell through the cracks, no, no, in, no Israelites fell through the cracks, the uh, close relative was to, to marry, or in, in some cases not even marry, but just like, hey, now you're part of our household. I'll take care of your land and, and so that your line can continue. Um, when the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz then took 10 of the elders of the town. And at this point, they don't explain, the, the Bible doesn't tell us what happens here, but the guy had to be like, okay, you know, the guy who comes and sits down, like, okay, now there's 11 of you and one of me. What is about to happen? But basically, 10 elders means that that's like a quorum for a legal matter in this culture. So, so the man actually, he might not know what Boaz, what he, I almost guarantee Boaz, he didn't know what Boaz wanted to talk about, but as soon as he did that, he's like, okay, I'm putting on my legal hat now. Boaz isn't here to just talk about the Broncos. He's like, he wants to do something legally, okay? Sit here, and, and so he did. Then verse 3, then he said to the, the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab. You know, Naomi, um, Elimelech's, oh yeah, no, yeah, my, my second cousin, or it could it could have been a brother, it could have been someone, my, my brother, you know, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to our brother Elimelech, brother meaning, you know, our relative, Elimelech, I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Boaz is a very, he, he was described as a man of standing. He's an upright man. He doesn't do things, he isn't trying to connive. He's like, listen, you, this, you have first right of refusal to this transaction. Le legally, this actually falls to you first before it falls to me. Do you want it? And he's, he's talking about the land, okay? But he also plays this card right because he's a man in love. Yeah, sure, I will re redeem it, he says. Then Boaz said, okay, cool. 
on the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, which is interesting because the, the whole question is, does Ruth have any claim into this as a Moabitess? Technically, but he says, no, Ruth does. You acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. So yes, this isn't just, you're not just getting land, <laughs> you're getting a widow. Actually, you're getting two widows. Does that sound like a good deal? This is so interesting. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, oh, snap. <laughs> then I can't redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. And what's interesting here is the guy, it's like, huh, I hadn't really thought about that. More land, sweet. How about two other, two, how about two widows as well that you have to care for? They're now under your care. And not only are they not under your care, but you should do what you can to make sure that their, that their names, even though we're from the same family, that's, that family has a lineage. There's hoping to have a lineage different than yours. You, and, and if you're going to do this right, you need to make sure they have a lineage. Oh, snap. That's a little bit more than just buying, you know. Like if I said, hey, you want to go buy a place up in Leadville? You know, sh sweet, let's buy some land in Leadville. Oh, but it also comes with, you have, to, you have to marry a woman too. Okay, that's a little different. And that's, listen, this is interesting what he says. Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. Meaning he's probably already married. <laughs> and that would endanger his estate if he took on another wife. Or at the very least, it would endanger his, you know, like his kids. It might change what his kids get someday. It's, in other words, it's messy. But what's interesting is, as I was reading commentaries this week on this, it's not any less messy for Boaz. Boaz, we don't think was married. It doesn't seem like he was married. But it's messy in the sense of like, okay, Boaz, you marry Ruth. You guys have children together. Whose name do they take? Does, he, does that male child, if you had a male child, would it take your line and continue your name? Or does it take Ruth's line and continue her name? And he's open to that because he's a righteous man. And, he see, like, and just, just how he's seen Ruth lay down her life for Naomi, he's willing to lay down some of his life for Ruth. Isn't that cool? You do it. I cannot. And then what happens next is super funny. They start taking off one shoe and giving it to each other. Check it out. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of a property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. And we talked about this last week. Well, we didn't talk about this last week. But we talked about how, like, around weddings and, and romance, we do all sorts of funny things like get down on one knee and give her a ring that we probably should not have bought because we didn't have the money for it. It's financed. And then we get married and do all these funny things, including the chicken dance together. And, you know, like, there's all these... Weird cultural things. Here's a one of, you know, they have their own weird cultural things as well, just like we do. They took, uh, the interested one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. This was the method of legalizing the transaction in Israel. So, 
the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Buy it yourself, here's my Birkenstock. I don't want it back. I, and really, I can't find anything that says why they did that, but that's what they did. Then, verse 9, then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today, your witnesses, that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech. All this land that they left, they ditched it years ago. It's probably, it's either gone fallow and it's, it's, it's now got weeds and rocks and it's, it's going to be a ton of work to get it up and running again. Or somebody else's, more complicated would be somebody else's like, oh, no one's using this land. I'll use it and now he's got to deal with that. No, but I'm going to buy this land. I'm going to steward this land. I'm going to take care of this land. You've seen it. Today, I've bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabitess. Yes, I know she's from Moab. Malon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family and from his town records. Today, you are witnesses. Boaz does something noble. He takes the fall. I, want to con- it sh- I will continue her name. And this is cool. This is cool. Then the elders start to say a bunch of things that has like foreshadowing. Check this out. They're like, oh, the, then the elders and all the people at the gate said, oh, we are witnesses. May the Lord, uh, lost my place. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah were, were uh, just, you know, to refresh your Bible memory, but they were, they were, uh, Rachel and Leah were, oh, now I can't remember. Who was Rachel and Leah? Jacob, thank you, was married to Jacob, whose name was Israel. They, like, they built Israel. Their children were the, are the 12 tribes of Israel. May they be like Rachel, may, you know, may your children be like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. But uh, may you have standing in Epiphrath, that's not, anyway, keep moving. And be famous in Bethlehem. That is the, the area, our tribe, our clan. Through the official, uh, through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like the Perez who Tamar bore to Judah. And it, there's all sorts of layers in it. I'm not going to get into it, but like may that name be great. In other words. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he, came to, he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Verse 14, the woman said to Naomi, again, here's more foreshadowing, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. This child, this little baby that you're holding, may he be famous throughout Israel, which was probably like just a saying that you'd say, like, oh man, that kid's going to be president someday. You, you're holding a baby, and it's like the baby, like, you know, does something that seems smart for a baby, like that baby's going to be president someday. That's exactly what they're saying. Like, may he become famous throughout Israel, and, and Israel, and little did they know the fame that would follow this child. May he, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. And here's what's cool. Um, Ruth, the, the, the book of Ruth, is actually one of the most beautifully constructed Hebrew um, books of the Bible. It has a lot of mirror, like the beginning mirrors the end, and then the second part and, uh, mirrors the end, second to the end part, that kind of stuff. 
I'm saying it terribly, but you know what I mean. It's, there's a lot of beautiful things happening. And it started with Naomi being emptied. And it's ending with her being fulfilled. It's leaving her story full. Naomi comes back into the spotlight. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you. We know of your love. She, she vowed an oath to love you. Your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. She got to be a part of his story. She, got, she lived long enough to see him grow up. I think that's what that means. The, woman, the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. Which, you don't know that name. You probably don't know Obed, but you do know this name. He was the father of Jesse. Well, though you might know, and you might know this name. He was the father of Jesse, and you for sure know this name. He was the father of David. And like I said, the, the story could end there, and it, it kind of does. And they lived happily ever after, because what, what the Jewish readers of this time, after, you know, like even just a generation or two after Ruth would have read, be like, holy crap, that's where David came from? A Moabitess? And here's the cool part, is, is in this story, we, it, the story begins, the very first line of the book is, if you want to go there, chapter 1 is, uh, in the time of the judges, in the days when the judges were in charge of Israel, meaning Israel didn't have a king, they had these like judges. They had these, it was this weird time, kind of this adolescent time in Israel when nobody knew what was going on. And, and, and very few, if you read the book of Judges, I said this the first week we were together, if you read the book of Judges, very few people are faithful. There is like no faithfulness in Israel to be found. It's an icky book. And then it, it, footnoted in there is like, hey, in the time of the judges, there was this woman named Ruth. And she wasn't even from Israel. She was a Moabitess. And, and through the faithfulness of a Moabitess, God bridged this period of unfaithfulness and brought in and ushered the, the, the dynasty of David. The, the, the peak, the pinnacle of the nation would be under his leadership and his son's leadership. And that was because a Moabitess was faithful. And it's, it's meant to just kind of leave the Jewish reader there saying, wow, that is so cool. That God in his providence, so this story is all about the, the interplay between God's providence and our faithfulness, or in this case, God's providence and Ruth's faithfulness, a Moabite's faithfulness, that, that she gave God a ton of stuff to work with. She gave God a ton of material to work with, with her character, her generosity, her love, her loyalty. And God's like, oh, I can use that to weave a dynasty. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that cool? But wait, there's more. Because we're not Jewish readers. Okay, maybe if you're Jewish, then you're a Jewish reader. I'm not a Jewish reader. I'm a Christian reader. And we know that, that and, and, and this would have been so cool because 
this is so cool, because Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, they just knew it as a happy story, like, oh, I'm in love, I had a child, Naomi's full, da, 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 you know, and then the end, right? That's what they think they know. And then the Jewish readers like, oh, they don't even know because out of that came David. They, they, and if you told Ruth and Naomi that, they, she'd be like, David who? And you're like, oh, David, let me tell you about David. David builds this dynasty. But then we as Christian readers would be like, oh, my gosh, we're over here. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you Jewish readers, you don't even know David. Yeah, like you, could, you could do the David part. Dun, 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 the end, David. Cool. No, but there's more for us because through David comes Jesus, the Messiah. And, and the Jewish readers are like, who's Jesus? And we're like, oh, my gosh. Can we tell you what happened through Jesus? Because this story is all about redemption. This story, way over here, this story way over here, is about the redemption of, of these two people's lives who are desperate, but through faithfulness, God uses that faithfulness to bring redemption to their lives. But through the line of David, God would not just redeem two widows' lives thousands of years ago. He would bring about his son, the Messiah, who would come and redeem the whole entire world. Isn't that incredible? And, and here's what I hope that this does for us. I hope this motivates each and every one of us towards a faithfulness that we were maybe shying away from even coming in today. Because if God can do that in their story, and God is, is, is God in his providence, is it inter, there's a, this story is all about the interplay between God's providence and his people's faithfulness. If God can do that through their faithfulness, can he do the same through ours, through yours? Is it possible that he would be able to, to do something great in your story despite failure, and, but through faithfulness that you give him now and in the future? Would it be possible See, there's this great mystery, and I want this, this is where I want to kind of end. The story's done. It was a good movie, right? It's a good one. But I want to highlight something. There's, there's this, this um, kind of this tug of war in life when it comes to God's providence, the, the interplay. Like God, God is at work. He's, he's moving his will throughout history, throughout the universe, throughout time. But then wh what does that mean? What's required of us? Will he just move it without us? Or does he need our faithfulness? And the answer is yes. <laughs> he will do what he wants to do, and yet he will use our faithfulness. There's this mystery. Let's put the mystery up on the board. The, the mystery, the, the failure doesn't disqualify us from God working in our lives. Can we just say Amen. Your failure doesn't disqualify God doing good things in your life. It might make it harder. That's a different sermon. Our failures are, you know, it's hard for God. I say this sometimes, and I, 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 I don't know. Don't quote me on this. Don't tell anyone else I said this. But um, it's hard for God to bless stupid. He wants to bless us. 
But if we're always doing stupid things, it's, it makes it harder, okay? But, and yet, this is true as well, failure doesn't disqualify us. We learned that through Ruth and Naomi. Naomi failed. They, she left her people. Yet faithfulness is required. We have to give him something to work with. We can't just sit back and be like the victim. We can't just sit back and be like, I guess my life's over. I guess it's done. And then you know, even as if you're a God-fearing person, cry out to God, God, change it. And then you know, I also heard it said once that it's hard for God to direct a, a parked car. If we're not moving, if we're not doing anything, it's hard for him to bless us. So our failure doesn't disqualify us, praise God. And yet our faithfulness is required. Let's go back to redemption, though. This idea of redemption is a really important word. This is, the, redemption is defined this way. We don't have a slide for this. But it's the action of regaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or clearing of a debt. So there's something that it has a debt on it. There's something, or someone that has a debt on them. And somebody goes in and pays that debt and redeems them. It's, it's, a, it's a marketplace. It's a transactional like, hey, they, this, is, this is worth $10. I'll give you $10. Now it's mine. That's redemption. And that's what we believe that Christ did, that Jesus did, that he lived a perfect life, died a perfect death on the cross, rose from the dead, and in the process conquered sin and death. And then he says, anybody who's willing to take and bring their sin and death to me, I'll take it upon myself, and I will, in that exchange, redeem them and take, what is it? Take possession, the action of regaining possession. That's redemption. That's what happened in Ruth's story. As they got assimilated back into Israel. And that's what's to happen in our story. But here's the thing. Only if we'll let it. God, in his good providence, and his will for our lives, will not impose his will on us. But he gives us, a he gives us a, an opportunity to be faithful and to come to him and say, I'm broken. I'm a slave to sin. I'm a goner. I, I need you. Without you, Lord, I am toast. I need your redemption. And he allows us, remember we talked about the power of oaths the first week, how, how, how Ruth makes an oath, and we don't do that all that often. We do it sometimes, like, like we, a lot of times <clears throat> we make vows and weddings. It's a perfect place to make an oath. I will be with you. I'll stand with you until um, death do us part. All those beautiful things that we love, those are oaths. But what would it be like to maybe make an oath to God? an oath. Have you ever done that? that? That's exactly what, if we come to God and we say, listen, my Lord, I am broken. I am lost without you. I need you. And, and, and in exchange, I give you my life. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. That oath that, that Ruth made. Now, maybe, just pause for a second. This is so important. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've been going to church forever. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you're not quite sure what you believe about God. Maybe you're not quite sure where you stand with God. This is the best way to figure out that stuff, is to make an oath to him. To, to come, and, and, and all of us, every person in history needs to do this because 
there, there's a verse that says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all, in a sense, flipped him off, given him the finger, and gone the other way. said, I know you want me to go this way, but I'm going this way because I think it's better for me. And then when we find out it isn't, we have a choice to keep going that direction and be known for that rebellion or to come back in faithfulness with, amidst all the failures, and this is what's so beautiful about it, is go back to that, that failure, the failure thing. What's so beautiful, failure doesn't disqualify, yet faithfulness is required. But they don't have to balance each other out. We talked about the guy on the cross last week, where Jesus is on the cross, and the guy next to him starts heckling him, saying, hey, if you're the son of God, do something, save us. And the other guy on the other side of him says, no, stop. This man is innocent. We deserve this. Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. We have no clue how he came to know that. We have no clue. But what we do know is this. Jesus said, that's, I can work with that. That's material that I can work with. Yes, maybe that man had a life of failures, probably if he's hanging on a cross. But that little bit of faithfulness goes a long, long way. It's the same for you and me. Have you ever cried out to God and asked to be redeemed? Or do you think you're a person that's pretty good? And maybe you don't need to be re redeemed. Kind of, that, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a big word. I'm not a slave to sin. Have you ever given your life to him in an oath to him, in humility saying, I'm ruined? I'm donezo without you. Because that's material that God can work with. In fact, that's the only material. that He needs that material to start. Without that, we don't give him anything to work with. And there's this balance. There's this, there's, there's this interplay between God's, God's providence and our faithfulness. And it's a mysterious thing. Our failures don't disqualify, yet we need to be faithful. Faithfulness is required. Repentance is required. Coming to him and, and asking for redemption. There is no substitute for that. No one else can do it for you. And so I wanted to leave us with that story, this, this wonderful story. Because the beautiful thing is when we come to the end of our rope, and we feel like, oh my goodness, failure is, is, is dominating my life and I need you, Lord. That doesn't disqualify the God of the universe to do something huge and great and wonderful here and here and who knows even there. When we hand him our lives, and, and here's, this is how I want to end. I, I started by calling this series Weaving. And I, I was like, no, it's woven. Because the reality is, is you and I, as much as we feel in control of our lives, we're not. Guys, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't even know what you're going to have for breakfast. You don't know if you're going to sleep in and, and not even get breakfast. You know, you're not even, you don't even know if breakfast is going to be poisoned and it'll kill you. It probably won't. But here's the thing. We, we don't do the weaving but we can provide 
the material. The people that you look at in life, that if, if, you, if there's anyone in life that you look up to that's a follower of, of Jesus, and you're like, I like what you're weaving. Like, I like that pattern. It's beautiful. I like what's going on. If, if you talk to them, be like, they probably would be like, oh, I didn't, all that stuff that's woke, I didn't do that. I just kept giving God material. Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, they didn't know, like, hey, if you and I get married, God can save the world. Okay, I'm in. That wasn't on their radar. We don't do the weaving. We give God the material. And he is in charge of the outcome of what is woven. And can we just pause for a second, guys? And if you're the type of person that's like, no, I'm my own person. I like to, I like, I'm in control of my own destiny. There's truth to all of these statements. There's a balance there, right? But the reality is, don't, isn't what we really want to, is to be with the God of the universe, the God who created all of this, who created everything that you and I enjoy. Wouldn't it be nice to just be like, I'm with you. I, I, yes, I will try to be faithful. I will try to live a life worthy of, of what you call me to live. But in the end, it's your life, not mine. Isn't that beautiful? Wouldn't that be incredible? What might he, and if we do it, what might he weave? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you, I thank you for your, no, no. I, I first thank you for your sovereignty and your providence in our lives. The fact that you, you look at us, that we can be a part of what you're doing. That, that to me just is incredible. Lord, I pray that we would be people who are, are surrendered to you. People, that, that we would be a church of, of people that constantly come to you and say, Lord, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not going to know what happens the next day, but I, I submit my life to you. I, my free will, I give it to you. And Lord, would we be people that in the end, I, I think you promised us that you, we, we get to see what you do through our faithfulness. May we, may we be people who get to see you do great things through us, in us, but also through us. Thank you for redeeming us. And I pray for, for all of us, for our hearts, for those that, that might not have crossed that line, that are not even sure if they've had this kind of conversation with you. I pray they would have it today. Because we don't know tomorrow. But you are the Lord of everything, the God of everything, and we thank you for that. Pray all this in your name. Amen.